I had a picture. I'm going to give this picture just about a couple of minutes ago uh, to, I believe, will be an encouragement for hopefully most of us. Um, before, I, as I, before I share this, does anyone need the notes for today? <clears throat> if you'd like the notes to follow along, they were handed in. It's, it's, uh, it's the ones that say give up to free up to press in. So if you'll raise your hands. Um, you just kind of have to bear with me sometimes because I get pictures that I believe are prophetic encouragements from the Lord. Uh, the, the whole idea of prophecy is to, to build up, to encourage, to stir up, and to cheer up. So it's not, you know, other thoughts that you might have about it. <clears throat> but I had this picture of how you are here today like salmon going upstream. The, the stream or current of our culture is going like a stream going downhill, but you've taken time, you've got, everyone's got precious hours in the day, in the week, you've taken time to gather, to come here, and the thought that I had was that when salmon go against the current, they're going upstream to the headwaters to lay eggs, to birth new things. And so I just, I just uh, before we get into the message, <clears throat> I just want to pray for us that the Lord wants to birth things, dreams, visions, things in your life, new things. Uh, consider not the things of old. Don't, you know, don't live in the past. The Lord says, behold, in the scripture says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? So, Father, I thank you that you are a God of new beginnings. I thank you for the saints who are logging on online, the ones who are here in person. Lord, I ask, even as my wife shared, for divine strength and courage to go forward in all that you call us to. And Lord, for new things, new birthing of new things, new situations, Lord, may they be of you and through you and all the glory to you. In Jesus' name, have your way in our hearts now in these next minutes. Amen. Well, in the past few months, we have shared a number of messages here about the church rising up in faith and power calling out to God, believing that God moves at the sound of our voice, calling out to God to intervene in our nation, in the affairs of our nation, to intervene in bringing about good government in our nation, in our city, in our county, in our state. The Bible even defines what good government is in 1 Timothy 2. Good government allows for the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus to go forth unhindered, without a lot of issues. You know, you can tell people about Jesus when there's good government. You don't have a lot of pressure hindering you. Good government, according to 1 Timothy 2, says that we can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence when there's good government. There's quietness. There's peace. It really boils down to when there's good government or when there's bad government, it's what kind of world are our children and our grandchildren 
going to step out into every day when they leave their apartment or their home? Are they going to go out into a world where there's danger, where they're not safe, physically, emotionally, spiritually? Are they going to go out into a, or what kind of world are we, some of us who are older, what kind of world are we leaving to those younger than us? To where a, a fifth grader can go to school, a fifth grade boy can be told, you know, by their teacher, you know, you may not actually be a boy. You can determine whether or not you're a boy or a girl. And I'm going to teach you that in this fifth grade class. You say, that's crazy. But that's actually being discussed as a part of the curriculum for the Austin Public Schools. What kind of world are we going to live in? It has to do with good government. I tell you, it really matters to God who governs a nation. And by inference, it really matters to God who we vote for. Either now in early voting, is it whenever it starts, and November 3rd. There are issues that really matter to God and his word concerning our government and our nation. Issues like abortion, like marriage, gender, religious liberty. All those things matter, and there are three things God's called us as Christians to do. In this hour, he's called us to vote, those who can vote in this room and online. And I'm concerned that many Christians won't be voting. He's called us to vote. He's called us to pray. And he's called us to uh, be in, involved in speaking up when it's appropriate to other people, either online or in person. The Democratic platform and the Republican platform could not be more different in this hour. They couldn't be more opposite when it comes to these issues that are in the Word of God. God's called the church, as I said, to do more than just vote. There are four responses I have in your notes that I believe are being made right now by the body of Christ, by, by Christians, by the church. A, little a, some in the body of Christ say, well, it's all in God's hands. It's kind of a hyper-sovereignty thing that says, well, God's just going to put in the presidency who he wants. And so by implication, why would we need to pray? If God's going to put in who he wants, our prayers don't make a difference. Then there's another group that, say, that, that some say it's all in God's hands, Another group says, it's all so bad. It's so horrible. My prayer is, Lord, come and get us. Come and rapture me out of here, Lord. And they become passive in that sense. It's so bad, my prayers can't turn an election. My prayers can't affect what kind of government we live in, live under. Then there's a third group, and this is more maybe more applicable to those in the charismatic stream, but that is believers who listen to prophetic voices that they respect through YouTube or other, other means. And people like uh, Kim Clement, who has gone to be with the Lord, but years ago he had a prophecy that many say, well, he's prophesying 
the, the outcome of this election. And then there are other shows like uh, Sid Roth, It's Supernatural, where they have guests on that talk about who, you know, God told me who's going to win. And so some in the body of Christ, they hear those prophecies and they think, it's a done deal. My, I don't need to pray. And so their response is apathy. But there's a fourth response. It's the response that Daniel had when he knew, read, and understood Jeremiah's prophecy that after 70 years, that the Jewish exiles in Babylon would be released and they would come back to their home. And so it's kind of like if in 1950, a prophetic word came that 70 years from now, you all would get to leave uh, Babylon. The, the people of Israel would get to leave Babylon and go back to, to Israel. And, and Daniel's like, oh, it's, that was 1950. It's 2020, 70 years. This is the year. But look at what Daniel, look how he responded to that prophetic word. Let's look at it. Daniel 9, verse 3. So I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer with fasting. Daniel's response to the prophecy wasn't apathy. It was action. And I believe that's what God is calling his people to in this hour. Paragraph B, a few weeks ago, I heard this phrase come in my spirit during one of the, I believe it was during one of the swing state sets. Don't know which state we were praying for. But this, this phrase came in my spirit, and I knew almost immediately what, what, was, what the interpretation was. It was give up to free up to press in. Give up to free up to press in. Give up food. Ouch. That's what I... Okay, it means give up food fast to free up time to press in to God's heart for this nation. To press in and to agree with the desires that are in God's heart for our nation. You give up food to free up time so that you can press in to God's heart, devoting yourself to standing in the gap before the Lord on behalf of the land. Ezekiel 22.30 says, if my, it, it says, I looked for someone among them, a man or a woman among them, who would stand in the gap before me for the land, that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Now, when I've re read that throughout my years as a believer, something's gone off inside of me. God was looking for someone to stand in the gap in intercession and prayer before him, say, Lord, spare our land. But in that verse, it says, but I found no one. And I don't want to sound like some macho man right now, but I read that and I say, not on my watch in 2020. Not in this hour. Not now. Lord, I want to rise up and do what I can to stand in the gap before you for the land. 
How many of you know, paragraph C there, God has desires for America. There are things he wants for our nation. Make no mistake, God has wants, but he waits. He waits for his people to partner with the burning desires that are stirring in his heart. He wants, but he waits. You see, God isn't going to do just what he wants to do all by himself. He wants us to join him because he wants the relationship. You see, it's so much about him and you partnering together because he's in this. He has angels to serve him and do stuff, what he orders, but he wants the relationship with you. So he has desires, but he waits for the church to agree with him. Second Chronicles 7.14. Most of us know this verse. If my people, it's in your notes, will call by my name, will humble themselves and pray, it goes on. And then the, the end there is, then I, the Lord, will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin. The lights are coming off. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, the, he will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. How many of you believe God wanted to forgive their sin there in 2 Chronicles and heal their land? How many of you believe that he wanted to do that? He has wants in his heart for them, but he was waiting. He said, if my people will partner with me, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I, the Lord, will do what I wanted to do in the first place. He, he wants, but he waits because the relationship he wants to have with his people, I love that about him because he could just do stuff. But he's like, let's join. Let's link up together. Let's be a team. Roman numeral two. I rarely over the years have called the church <clears throat> to a corporate fast. Because I, I want to make sure it's God. Don't just want, hey, we're going to call it fast. But I feel like now is the time for us to combine prayer with fasting. So that what God wants for America might come to pass. Now, if you have a pen, I wanted to correct something in my notes. Roman numeral two there. I said, so that what God wants for America will come to pass. I would like to say that, but I put a little scratch in and I put might. Because I can't, I would love to guarantee it that our prayer and our fasting would make, would be the difference. But I can't. And I, I kind of wrote on there a little more. I'm not delusional, at least I hope not. I'm not thinking it's all up to us, but many, many believers in America right now are fasting and praying. Many are, and I believe God is calling us to join them in this hour. So, so just truth there, that's, that's really what what's, I want to preach the truth from my heart. Uh, but, I, but I do believe, I can't guarantee it, but I want to do my part, and I want us to do our part to the best of our ability to make a difference. You know, and I kind of use a football analogy. I want to leave it all on the field before November 3rd. 
You may not be a Longhorn fan. Right, Josh? But Sam Ellinger left it all on the field yesterday. Four overtimes, five over he left it all on the field. And I'm not saying it's going to be guaranteed to make a difference, but I want to do all that I can to leave it on the field before this election. Because, again, I see my granddaughter, and I think, what kind of world is Lane going to go out into? I could get political, but I think we all, we're all adults, and we all have access to information. So... Now, some of you may be here today and go, you know, Glenn, I don't want to hear a message about our nation. And, you know, what about me? What about my problems? And I'm like, I understand. We've all got issues. <laughs> but I believe there's something in Scripture, as I've read it and looked at it over the years. It's called, I'll call it the boomerang effect. Y'all know what a boomerang is? You throw, I can't ever make a boomerang work. But what I've seen, they throw the boomerang and physics and all that. You throw it out there and it comes back at you. There is a boomerang effect to prayer. What Jesus said in Luke 6, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Proverbs, there's one who scatters yet increases more. Matthew 6, 23 it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and boomerang. All these other things will be added back to you. It's the boomerang effect. Galatians 6, if you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap everlasting life or eternal, you know, spiritual things. Paragraph A, Derek Prince said under Roman numeral 2, a Bible teacher, if you don't know him, I was telling people, if you can't, if you want to just get some good food every day delivered to your door, get DerekDPM.org, Derek Prince Ministries. It's an app on your phone. And uh, he's, he's bar none in my life the best Bible teacher I've ever received from. And you can, because you listened to his tapes when you were like one year old, two years old, in the car. Is his picture up there? I think I got a picture of him. <clears throat> I, he, he prayed for me one time, and he had a rebuke for me. So it was the one time I was with him, he said, Lord, deliver, help him, deliver him from double-mindedness. It's like, would you rather get a word from the man you respect that's, that's tough or everything's great? So anyway, Derek Prince said, I personally believe that there are some things that are in the will of God, that God wants us to have them, but we will never attain them unless we combine prayer with fasting. Prayer with fasting. There are some things. Remember Jesus said this kind only comes out, but by prayer with fasting. For those who feel led to join me, as Kyle announced earlier, I'm calling a fast for this Saturday, October 17th. And it's, um, sorry about these distractions with these lights. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, sometimes it does that. Um, but Friday night, and the best way to kind of think of it in your head is sundown to sundown, okay? When the sun goes down Friday night, it's actually when the little, little parallel there, that's actually the beginning of the Sabbath. 
on the in the the Jewish the Jewish world, Sabbath uh, from from Friday night to sundown Saturday night, um, and it's the word Sabbath actually means to cease. So usually you cease from working, okay, on a Sabbath, you rest, but it's also um, you can cease in this play, in this case cease from eating for uh, for uh, that that period sundown to sundown. And as, we, as you saw from on Saturday, we will have two corporate gatherings here. The prayer room will be open all day. And you certainly don't have, you don't, if, if you can't schedule-wise, we understand. But we're having one at 9 a.m., an hour meeting, 9 to 10, and one at 5 p.m. So I think of it this way. When you call a fast, you save. Remember, it was give up to free up. So if you're not eating then you've got, you freed up some time. Time to go to the store, to cook, or time to stand in line or in, and get stuff, or, and then the time to sit down and eat. So you, you are saving time and you're saving money. So if you're like, oh, the gas money, well, you just saved your gas money too. So I, I'm thinking practically here for you. Lou Engel said, fasting is the hinge of history. He said, this is the most important election since the days of Abe Lincoln. And it has to do with who will sit on the Supreme Court. Little did I know when I pulled up this quote, there's now a real question as to the configuration of the Supreme Court down the road, a packing the court that could actually destroy the three checks and balances of our government. Okay, so it was like, oh, it's Amy Coney Barrett. And I was like, wait, whoa. Lou Engel was talking even further with that. It has to do with who will sit on the Supreme Court. I believe we are coming into another day of reckoning on the issue of race and blood. If we don't deal with abortion and Roe v. Wade in our courts, God is going to deal with it in his courts. And a day of reckoning so terrifying, maybe a civil war like we've never known is going to come to America because we did not deal with the shedding of innocent blood and the race issues. Engel said, I believe God could give us a revival that washes away the color line and the blood like the Azusa Street Revival did back in the early 1900s. Paragraph B, by the way, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves. One of the main biblical ways that we can humble ourselves is by fasting. David said it in Psalm 35, verse 13. He said, I humbled myself with fasting. You are voluntarily becoming weak. I've had times when I've been fasting and people will be talking to me and they think I'm all there, like I'm all, my, all my synapses are clicking and I'm listening. And I have to look at them in the middle and, I'm, and I get so raw and honest. I'm like, I didn't hear what you just said the last 45 seconds. I'm sorry. And it's embarrassing. It's humbling. Okay? It, the, you, you are voluntarily, 
you are revoking, you're, you're, you're renouncing the natural to make way for the supernatural power of God. You're saying no to the natural, the desire to have food, and you're invoking the supernatural power of God. I want to define fasting is voluntarily, it's in there under C in your notes. Voluntar- fasting is voluntarily abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Sometimes people fast from food, uh, not only from food, but they also fast from water. But that's the exception rather than the rule. Generally, it's only abstaining from food. Today, many Christians are unfamiliar with fasting. And it's kind of scary to them. It's frightening. But it shouldn't be strange. Because throughout the Bible, God's people fasted. And actually, the major world religions incorporate fasting. Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus. It's a common practice throughout the world and in the Bible. So I I hope that today the Lord will um, encourage you. I didn't, you know, Suzanne shared that earlier about courage. So um, this may be part of that, that release that God put on her heart. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, when you fast. He didn't say if. He did say, he said when. Fasting doesn't twist God's arm to get him to do what you want him to do. Okay, God, I'm going to fast so that you, you got to move now. No, fasting doesn't twist God's arm. Fasting is God's prescribed way for us to humble ourselves so that God can release grace to us and our situation. Whenever you see grace in the Bible, you could put a little parenthesis and put power. I challenge you, every time you see grace, you can put divine power right there, and it's, it's what grace is. You say, oh, wait, grace is mercy. Well, mercy is a subset of grace, but grace is power. 1 Peter 5, 5, and the number of places, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace, power to the humble. So it's a prescribed way of God for God to release in his heart, what he already wants to release. I I missed this point earlier. I thank you, Lord, for reminding me. Prayer is essentially asking God to do what he already wants to do, and then he does it. Prayer is coming to God saying, God, we're asking for this, and God's like, "I, I really want that. And then he's waiting. He's waiting for us. He wants, but he waits. And so that's what prayer basically is. You're telling God what he already wants, and then he does, he does it because he wants that relationship. Amen. Rachel, if you could start come up. Want to get kind of land this plane here by looking at one historical example of a time when God's people humbled themselves by fasting and then they petitioned God in prayer. A historical example that I believe is particularly applicable to the 
church into the days we're living in right now in America. It's an incident in the history of Judah. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat that a great army was coming against them from Syria. And it was already at a place called En Gedi. And I'm so thankful I got to been able to go to Israel. And we were in En Gedi and uh, went from Jerusalem to En Gedi in a car. And it's 49 miles from En Gedi to Jerusalem. And so here's Jehoshaphat and the, in Judah and the, the, the Israelites. And 49 miles away is this huge army from Syria coming toward them. It would be like here we are today in Lakeway and a huge army is in Bastrop. Bastrop is 48 miles away. And so Jehoshaphat gets alarmed. We're outnumbered. This doesn't look, I mean, right now with our government and this political election, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm being honest. I can relate to Jehoshaphat there. He was he was alarmed, but he resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Then Jehoshaphat prayed a prayer invoking God's help. <clears throat> I'm not going to go through the whole prayer, but it's in your notes there in verse 12. I'll just quote to you the last verse of that prayer, which is significant. Joshua, I mean, excuse me, Jehoshaphat closes his prayer by saying, Our God, Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's how I feel about this current situation in our country and in this election. I feel like the evil tide is so great. I'm just being honest. I don't feel like I have much of any power against it with my little one vote and my prayers but my eyes are on him and I want to leave it all on the field I want to go for what I can go for and I'm not browbeating anybody to say you all better join me I'm just saying if God puts it in your heart to join me for this from sundown this Friday till sundown this next Saturday to give up, to free up, to press in. Then I'd like you to get your phone out. You can start getting your phone out now, I guess. <clears throat> Just text me. My cell phone number is 512-924-9828. And just type in the word fast. And uh, I'll pray for you this week for wisdom, to know what kind of fast to go on. If there's any specific other kinds of prayers that I can agree with you about. Isaiah 58, I have, some of you have the handout and it's out on the, in the lobby for those who'd like to take a copy. There are 12 blessings that flow out of fasting. Now, we don't earn those. As I said, fasting humbles us so that God can release grace. He can release power. But there may be some one of those blessings that you specifically say, you know, I'm fasting for our nation 
but there's also something here. There's that boomerang effect. As we pray and fast for our nation, I do believe God will bless back and flow back into you. There's one who scatters yet increases more. Before we sing, I'm just going to give us time as this, as the worship team leads us in a song to, to just ask the Lord for, I'm, I'm, so the two things when you text is I'm going to be praying for you for strength to fast and fast the right way. And, and then I'm also going to agree with whatever yokes you want to see broken in your life or, or blessings to flow. But let's look at the result of the fasting and prayer that Jehoshaphat called for. You see, they were renouncing the natural to invoke the supernatural. Look at this. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Let's worship the Lord. Just sit, where, just stay where you are there and just ask the Lord to strengthen you. Some of you, this is the first time, hey, you know, I haven't fasted ever, or I'm not sure. Um, let's just take some time and worship the Lord.